And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up, live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created in We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. I don't want you to protest, I don't want you to ride, I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crying in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, God damn it! My life has value! We'll get together, have a few laughs. Welcome to the Iowa Talk Guys. I'm your host, T-Rock. I'm your host, TP and I'm your host Theo <sighs> welcome to our All Hallows Eve 2023 special you had the Count Chocula coming in pretty good there did you like it or or is that Sesame Street Sesame Street yeah I got hazed one time and each time I did this special task i had to count like count dracula one ah 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 two ah ah was ah. this in the marine corps no dude it was in my backyard oh well i just <laughs> the reason i ask is because there's no hazing in the marine corps that's why i said it was in my backyard oh yeah it was the ghost of tom jones anyways we are bringing you this special this year it's not personal spooky stories that would happen to us for people that we know this one is iowa cryptids so we uh, we had the Bigfoot talk with Tim Moon. Yeah. Which hopefully you guys enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. And this episode... Tomato Fields. Yeah, tomorrow is Halloween. So that's actually... So that's when Tim Moon's going to be down yeah, on doing his, his Bigfoot uh, hunting expedition. Out in the middle of nowhere, Texas. Do you think he'll find mm-hmm. anything? I don't know. Well, bet money? No, I don't. But hopefully he no. has a good time and he's safe. I'm just looking forward to uh, hearing back from him. Yeah, that's, if we can yeah, make that I'm happen. excited. Well, he said he's going to let us know how it goes, so yeah. shout out Tim Moon. Go check out his book, Tomato Fields. You can get it on Amazon. Yeah, go listen to that, that episode. And uh, 73? I believe so. The one that has Bigfoot holding his book, <laughs> which great way. Nice great, job, E-Rock. Great job, yeah. E-Rock. Thank you. Yeah. Anyways, we're, gonna, we're bringing you some stuff. Like I said, Cryptids of Iowa. We talked uh, about a few of them on that episode with Tim Moon. Now we're going to bring you some more. And this one, the first one we're starting off with, is probably the most famous cryptid in Iowa. It's As soon as you duck, duck, go, Iowa cryptids, it's going to pop up. And it is certainly Iowa famous because I never heard of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> None um, of us did, right? I, but, I remember know. hearing the story, but didn't realize that it had happened in Iowa. Over there in Van Meter? Yeah. Van Meter, which is a yeah. big big company now out of that town. There's a trucking... That trucking company? Uh, I think there's a supply, like... Electrical. Electrical anyway, stuff. Yeah, it's anyway. over there. It's west of Des Moines off 80, right? Yeah. They do stuff there. But this article we're bringing to you this is the Iowa's Van Meter Monster by CoffeeHouseWriters.com. By V.L. Jones, December 21, 2020. Iowa is home to the Van Meter Monster, which turns out to be a dragon, according to this 
Rider. Yes, a real-life dragon. Not myth and lore, but a real creature that terrorized the town for almost a week. The first sighting was in Bedford, Iowa, on a hot summer day, August 11th, 1887. Lee Corder saw a flying serpent. The mysterious flying serpent had protruding eyes and a forked tongue. It had scales that glowed in the sun on its huge body. Corder said it landed on the ground hard before taking off again. Several people saw a flying monster with horns on its head in 1890 in Independence, Iowa. Yeah, over somewhat by us, over on our side of the state. Witnesses say it had a mouth like an alligator. Which dragons do. According to myth, yeah, legend. Witnesses say that scales covered the creature and looked green. In 2005, a witness named Megan saw the dragon in Burlington, Iowa. She said the 10-foot-long snake-looking monster was flying overhead. It was in the middle of the night, and Megan and her husband were driving home. They said it had a bat-like wing with a seahorse head. So that's interesting. So that's that was in 2005. There's actually a... Yeah, I remember I read this now after the there's a Tim Moon episode. Yeah, there's a mead place in an, uh, uh, one of those Iowa river towns, and they have a mead dedicated to that dragon. It's probably Burlington. Burlington, Iowa. Yeah. They got a good brewery down there, too. No, it's not actually Burlington. It's north of Burlington. That's why I thought it was unusual. I'm like, what? Burlington Dragon? This ain't Burlington. According to the author, she said, I pulled a lot of my research from articles written on the subject of dragons. People who claim to have seen the dragon themselves left comments on one of these articles. And one of these people named Zeus stated they lived in Iowa. Yeah, I've never heard anybody called Zeus before. It's probably to protect the innocent, obviously. He said he saw dragons all the time in Grand Mound. Grand Mound's a little shit town off a small highway. 30. Yeah. I wonder why we haven't seen them since they're in Grand Mound all the time, frankly. I mean, I'm not going to tell you exactly where we live, but let's just say close enough. I mean, not not right there, right? But Well... He, yeah, he stated they come in the fall when the harvest moon was full, which was like right before October. We just had a harvest moon. We did. It was bright as heck. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. But Zeus says the dragons fly away with his next door neighbor's cattle. He even swears that he saw dragons all the time and sometimes even in a group of three. Interesting. Anyways, getting back to the Van Meter, Iowa. In fall of 1903... A winged creature harassed Van Meter, Iowa for almost a week. The witnesses were upstanding citizens of the town and believable. They all reported seeing a half-human, half-animal with enormous bat wings. The creature moved at incredible speeds and shot a blinding light from its horn. Uh, E-Rock, in your research, you said you saw something. This was on like a Discovery Channel show or something about the Van Meter one? Yeah, there was some TV show. On Discovery. They, they did about this, but... Yeah. So, when this happened, the legendary Van Meter monster was born. And the very first night, a Eugene Griffith shot at it as it flew over buildings. The bullets didn't even phase the monster. The next night, Peter Dunn saw the creature and he too shot at it. The town's doctor, and Peter Dunn was the town's doctor apparently, the town doctor's shots had the same effect as Griffith's. Meaning essentially no effect other than wasting ammunition. The monster flew on its merry way, not even bothered by people shooting at it. Well, I would imagine that if this monster has the power to uh, shine a light from its horn, 
chances are it could be impervious to gunfire. Maybe it has something some else type going of on. Frequency, some neo stuff. It's out of the matrix, bro. Yeah. It just stops bullets. Did you guys ever well, see the movie Dragonheart? Well, I did not. No. Generally, if there's a movie not named Pete's Dragon, I'd stay away from it. If yeah, it has dragon I, I in the title. Even, <laughs> I didn't even see Rain of Fire. Although I did see The Hobbit. But real quick, the third night, O.V. White, awakened by the winged fiend, also shot at it. So I love here how back in the early 1900s, people were just like, I don't know what the hell that is. I'm just going to blast this thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but I got the Springfield rifle or a Winchester, and I'm going to put a hole in yeah, it. Yeah. If they had a Springfield at that time, they were probably doing pretty good. Well, well, the one was a town well, doctor. Well, it would have been brand new, right? Springfield yeah, model 1903. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Most likely it was a Winchester, though. Yeah. There in the probably a lever action or something. 30-30. Yeah. Which 30-30 is not going to go incredibly far. No, but it puts big holes and stuff. Oh yeah. It's a. It's got a heavy. It's a packs a heavy punch. But also, let's keep in mind that for our listeners who are not aware of firing long-range projectiles at airborne targets is near impossible to hit them well yeah i mean depend on how low it is if, as long as you don't have like if you unless you have like an automatic weapon <laughs> yes <laughs> you when you're shooting projectiles the military the air shoots them out of the air all the 1400 time, rounds per minute or something <laughs> like that yeah you're you increase your odds well, about 1,400 times. Yeah, but unfortunately, they didn't have... I mean, they did have Gatling guns back then, but I don't think anybody opened up on it from the town, the top of the town hall. Yeah. The Browning automatic rifle was quite out yet. No. But Maybe. The, but anyways, E-Rock, sorry. You said something about that dragon movie? <laughs> yeah, Dragonheart. You never seen it? No. No. Chalk one up for me. Got a point. <laughs> oh, finally. A movie that oh, I've seen. Yes. You guys haven't That's seen. a good point there, E-Rock. I think that's a misconception. There's, I'm sure I've seen way less movies than you guys. Well, it's no, because every time we talk about, have you seen this movie, Iraq? He's like, no. I do that quite a bit as well. Anyway. anyway. Not on air. <laughs> <laughs> so point to Iraq. Point to Iraq. Let him have his, his victory here, Theo. Okay. Why got right now it's a parade, bro? I'm not. Anyways, back to the story. So, yeah, like I said, it's just awesome. These guys just blasting at whatever they want. Kill this son of a bitch. <laughs> I don't know what you are, but you're dead. <laughs> Except you're not. Yeah. But this thing, it crouched on a telephone pole above the hardware store, O.V. White. And apparently he was an expert shot, but he missed or his bullets did not affect the fearsome dragon. So this one, he wasn't even flying. He was a still target, stationary. And he shot at it. Yeah, you can't get past those scales. You gotta hit it right underneath the one that goes to the heart. Oh, yeah, Dragonheart. That dragon heart? That's okay, how you kill the dragons. He's right. Oh. Yeah, they have the same thing in The Hobbit. Not very experienced. In those dragon scales dragon are tough. Slaying. Yeah. Actually, in Skyrim, you just need a sword. Oh. Anyways. I don't, I don't have one of those. You do. I do have a sword. Not sharp, though. It's a fucking sweet sword, too. You just said it sucked a couple episodes ago. I did, yeah, because it's not sharp, and you can't slay a dragon with it. Anyways, apparently, the shots from O.B. White awakened Sidney Gregg, sleeping in his nearby store. So everybody's, like, freaked out in the town, probably. They're like, there's a monster loose at night. We don't know what the hell this thing is. And O.V. is shooting weapons into the air. Yeah. U.G. Griffith shot at it last night. So did old Peter Dunn. All right. And so... Mr. Sidney Gregg, 
He said uh, the Van Meter monster hopped like a kangaroo. And he apparently, Mr. Sidney Gregg, is the high school teacher. So he saw the beast and said it looked prehistoric. The town of Van Meter wasn't happy about the flying serpent terrorizing their town. So the townspeople formed a hunting party and went after it. Dude, another thing I love. Nobody would do that nowadays. You're like, just stay in your homes. The government will take care of it for us. This town's like, fuck this thing. We're going to go kill us some scaly, one-horned demon, kangaroo-hopping, bat-wing fucking freak. (laughs) So it's part marsupial, part reptile. (laughs) Prehistoric-looking-ass motherfucker. Uh, Yeah. Uh, I love it, dude. Yeah, this is Iowa, baby. Don't mess with Iowa, right? This, this also, this was the entrance to the, to the Great West. Okay, I mean, we didn't mess around here. Yeah, not quite Missouri, but no, that's why we're not Missouri. We had a war with them over. Okay, mm, to an extent, no bullets were fired and nobody died, but it's a war. We'll take it as a win. Anyways, so the hunting party went out, and J. L. Platt Jr heard a scary noise at an abandoned coal mine whatever that could be back at. these were real men you know what i mean yeah they had a little bit more testosterone right they heard a bear they the heard a bear in the woods and they're just like bring it on boy Kill. looks like we having some bear for supper i need a new carpet <laughs> yeah. mama needs a new coat mama needs a new throw rug right so whatever the scary noise is in an abandoned coal mine so the posse Started its search there. All right. So they must have gathered together and be like, anybody here where this some bitch and seen where some bitch gone? And old J.L. Platt Jr., yes, sir. I heard a scary noise out that abandoned mine just north of town. All right. The Des Moines Daily News published an article about the battle that happened that night. So this is published, and I, I did on one website during my research, saw some of the articles. I was just reminded of the Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah, they got shot up here in Iowa. (laughs) One of their first banks they robbed was in Iowa. No, you're talking about the James brothers. Um, Well, Bonnie and Clyde did rob a bank in Iowa. Yeah. I know they did. Yeah, 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 you're right. Well, the James brothers did as well. Yeah. A lot of fun stuff happened here. Anyways, so, yeah. It said, on October 3rd, 1903, all hell broke loose. The town let loose with enough firepower to level Van Meter itself. The monster appeared at the mine's entrance, wrapped in golden light, but not alone. It had a smaller one with it, and they both flew off amidst the metal barrage. The cascade of gunfire that rained that night didn't even bother them, it says. Damn, so I'm like... Either those scales are really good stuff, or maybe if they're both shining that light that maybe has something to do with frequency. Yeah. Is that giving off a sound? I mean, the animal kingdom is pretty crazy. I'm not saying this is an animal. I mean, I, well, it was something. It was something. The townsfolk experienced something. Some sort of bioluminescent golden light. Well, maybe it's putting off a frequency, or maybe it's a magnet. I don't know, dude. Who knows? It just turns the bullets into dust before they hit them. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. It's wild. But the uh, the gunfire didn't stop them from returning and entering the mine once more. So, yeah, I read another article that, like, they waited outside this thing. They saw it leave, and they waited, and then it came back, and they were like, fire! All that stuff happened, and this thing took off into the mine. And it says from September 29th, 1903 to October 3rd, 1903, 
The Van Meter monster haunted that town. So, and when it went back into that mine, they were like, "Well, that's your new grave, you son of a bitch." And they blew the mine in. Yeah, why didn't they just blow it? Blow the entrance because they saw it leave. Oh, so they had to wait for it to return. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not out there raping our women while we're here. (laughs) But then it returned with another one. It said, which is even crazier. Like, there's a lot of questions here. So they just blew the entrance, and uh, they apparently there's a lot of these respected men told their stories, even though they knew many would think they might be crazy. But I don't know. Like I said, the late 1800s and early 1900s stuff, like we talked about with Tim Moon, there was a lot of weird stuff that was going on. So yeah, everybody sounded fucking crazy. It, but also, Dude, just, it's healthy to remain skeptical. Yellow journalism was alive and well. That's true too. We did catch quite a bit of that while we were trying to prep yeah. for the show. People were like, I dug up this giant skeleton skull, this some type of monster with teeth. They're like, you're full of shit. And then other people checked it out. They're like, oh, turns out to be some type of creature. And then now it's an entire science today. Yeah, it's a study of dinosaur bones. And (laughs) and, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's the story of the Van Meter monster. uh, There's not much else to say. They had like i said it was doctors school teachers business owners uh one of the gentlemen i think it was the the gentleman the second night what was his name peter dunn he was i believe the banker and he was staying the night in his bank that night too because he thought when the first stuff happened the first ruckus happened the first night he thought there were bank robbers coming to pull some shit on him you know it was the wild west jesse james i think robbed a bank or a train here in iowa so anything could happen you know yeah all right they made it all the way up to minnesota in fact good old cowboys for the south an outlaw all right moving on to our next cryptid of the evening so this one comes from the national cryptid society the article is actually september 16th 2017 No name. This is something that we should have said probably at the beginning, but it's interesting to quote the article. Yeah, what is a cryptid? The Oxford English Dictionary defines the word cryptid as, quote, an animal whose existence or survival is disputed or unsubstantiated, such as the Yeti, end quote. For For the following witnesses to living cryptids, there is no dispute. In this series of National Cryptid Society's case files, you will read what the witnesses have experienced in their own words. National Cryptid Society, submitted by Collier. Collier. Uh, the location of this was on U.S. Highway 30 between Marshalltown and Nevada, Iowa. Very, very peculiar about the way you pronounce Nevada over there. Are they? They're not Nevada? Nevada? They are not Nevada. Yeah, they probably get really upset. Or Nevada. And- Remind you, Highway 30, that was a place supposedly old Zeus up in Grand Mound there saw all that. Yeah, Grand Mound is on Highway 30. Yeah. Uh, But east of where this sighting happened. I was sitting here smoking my meth pipe, and then these (laughs) damn dragons came flying up over the (laughs) forest. (laughs) Did they have meth back in 1903? It wasn't a a pipe. It was a a light bulb. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I was sitting here smoking my meth light bulb. I I thought light bulbs were for crack. 
No, I just watched American Meth with uh, narrator Val Kilmer from okay. 2008, and light bulbs are pretty oh, popular. Because yeah, he did that uh, meth. Sultan of the Sultan Sea <laughs> show. Our I'm movie. not. I'm not going to Iraq let you talk about uh, Iceman like that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Mm, I played the doors. <laughs> <laughs> you better step Jim off, Morrison. So here is the quote from Collier. I was driving with a good friend and roommate. Hold on, what day? When, when did this take place? I'm sorry. Mid-October 2009. So we have another October. Was it a harvest moon? Probably. I was driving with a good friend and roommate. This was during the day. Headed westbound for my hometown for a reunion. It was mid-morning and the sun was behind us. The countryside there, like most of central Iowa, was, is cornfields, especially that time of the year it, it was or is a cornfield depending on how far they are into the harvest yeah how dry it is or if they picked it or not no oh, and there he goes <laughs> lazy but farms corn, but the corn had been picked and the fields we were passing were just full of dried broken corn stalks movement in the corner of my eye attracted my attention and i turned to see a huge black bird flying low five to six feet above the ground and fast over the field to our right. That is on the south side of the highway. <laughs> they were traveling west on Highway 30, and then. it was to their right that would be the north side of the highway. Absolutely. Okay. At least Highway 30. I don't know how it is on other highways, but... Here in Iowa, Highway 30 runs east to west. Just like every, <laughs> Just like every even number. It was flying to the southwest as we drove due west, and it had to have just flown almost directly over the car. When I first saw it, it was no more than 20 feet from us. Look at that, I said to my roommate, pointing and slowing way down. He saw it and asked, what kind of bird is that? It's huge. In all aspects other than size, it looked exactly like a crow or a raven. Ooh, that would be an omen, maybe. Mm. But much larger and it was flying faster than I've ever seen either of those birds fly. I had a good view of its wingspan as it flew at an angle away from us, and a decent scale in the rows of two to three foot tall corn stubble compared to it. The wings spanned approximately eight feet, and unlike other large birds I've observed flying before, this one was flapping its wings very rapidly. I had slowed down when I saw it, and when it got about 100 yards away from us, it turned due west and paralleled our route, staying right with the car, essentially pacing us for about a quarter mile. I saw it in profile then, and this affirmed my first impression that it looked exactly like a huge crow or raven. I've seen golden and bald eagles in flight, and it was not either of those. We remarked how fast it was flying, and I checked the speedometer. We were doing 34 miles per hour, and it was staying neck and neck with our vehicle. I usually do about 70 on Highway 30. Well, they were slowing down to take a look. I'm sure. Right. It suddenly climbed and then swooped over a heavy line of trees at the edge of the field. Then it dropped down on the other side of them, and we lost sight of it. Hmm. Very interesting. And in 2009, we had cell phones with cameras. I'm just going to say that, as she said, eight-foot wingspan. Um... That could have easily been an eagle. Golden eagle? Yeah. Yeah. Or even a bald eagle. I've seen bald eagles wingspan a good eight, ten feet, buddy. Yeah, I would think that. So is it like the opposite of an albino? I would just think that if it 
was a bald eagle, they would have noticed a white head and said something about that. But I, I they didn't. That. So that so a golden eagle is most likely in this case. Probably. In my opinion. It could very well could have been. Because also here they said, I've seen bald and gold eagles in flight. Well, seeing them in flight and up in person is way different. Yeah. Like, they, I never would have judged how big bald eagles were until i've seen them up close i've seen yeah. them in flight plenty especially of times. especially a golden eagle they're bigger i could imagine yeah like i said seen a bald eagle i saw a stuffed bald eagle in canada that was cool oh really oh that'd be wild go go down to the river this winter and look for larger ones because we know that adolescent bald eagles do not have a white head right. so look for a fully grown one that doesn't have a white head that's a golden eagle and they're freaking big yeah but, uh, so this could have easily been that, not to downturn their thing, but that just... Hey, we have to be skeptical. Yeah. So I did decide to bring up an article from historicmysteries.com, not Iowa-related, but we have we brought it up. I brought it up on the Tim Moon episode, The Thunderbird, and a lot of those sightings are particularly in Illinois, which is right across the big river from us. This is by Kurt Reedman. January 14th, 2022. The Thunderbird. Could this Native American myth be real? When the first settlers arrived in the New World, they faced a vast continent stretching endlessly in front of them. The land was full of strange peoples and unfamiliar species. The Native Americans knew the land far better and could offer help to those who had the wit to ask for it. That would take some wit. One of the powerful creatures that the natives told about was a giant flying bird which created thunder and lightning as it flew through the sky. This was the Thunderbird, most commonly associated with the more northern cultures who battled harsh winters among their pine forests and cold lands. The Thunderbird was worshipped as a powerful spirit that takes the form of a bird. In this form, it helps to water the earth and allow vegetation to grow. So, yeah, I mean, that's interesting. It was believed to flash lightning from its beak and that the beating of its wings caused thunder to reverberate. It was often accompanied by lesser bird spirits like an eagle or falcon or massive crow. So the article here on historicmysteries.com includes an infographic and it the infographic includes the wingspan of the largest bird that we know of on earth, which is the condor. That is down in Argentina, particularly, with about a seven-meter wingspan. So, what's that? Seven times three. Well, I mean, that's like a, they have like a 21-foot wingspan. It's nuts. But this Thunderbird, well, it looks quite a bit larger than that. It doesn't actually have a... Oh, no, that's the seven-meter. The Thunderbird has a seven-meter wingspan. The Condor has a three-meter wingspan. Please forgive me. Seven meters? Yeah, like 21 feet. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. So a condor has like a 10 to 12 foot wingspan, let's say. But yeah, so that's the Native Americans believe that it would protect them from evil spirits and whatnot. So stories about this go back pretty far. Just shoots lightning out of its beak. Yeah, it's wild. So like I have heard of the Thunderbirds out in the Southwest also. You know, there's a lot of talk. It goes from the Air Force Thunderbirds, the flying team. No, no, the legendary Thunderbirds that brought, that shot lightning out of their beak and shit. And it makes sense here, further down the article, said the Thunderbirds were said to punish those who broke moral rules, and they lived in the four directions and migrated with the birds in the spring, traveling south after the winter. 
In Algonquin mythology, the Thunderbird is ascribed the role of a god controlling the upper world, while the underworld is controlled by the underwater panther or the great horned serpent. The Thunderbird uses its thunder and lightning to fight the underworld creatures. Interesting. The Ojibwe's around the Great Lakes claimed that they were created by the Nanabozho, the trickster figure and culture hero of the Native American people. Their express purpose was to fight the underwater spirits of the underworld. So, much native lore about this. Yeah. Well, and I think a lot of people, if you've ever looked into that, the Thunderbird, they've probably seen that picture where like some guys are holding up dead pterodactyl, basically. That's what it looks like. You know, and the, I guess that came from a story of in April 1890, where two cowboys in Arizona killed a giant bird-like creature that had a huge wingspan. It had smooth skin, featherless wings, and a face that resembled an alligator. And it is more similar to a prehistoric pterodactyl than the traditional Thunderbird. Oh, okay. But yeah, there's been a, there was a sighting. Apparently, there is a controversial report that came out of, out of Lawndale, Illinois in July 1977. But that's pretty neat. Changing it up. Let's change it up. This is another one that I found. Time to get real scary now. From... I'm scared. Phantomsandmonster.com. <laughs> Phantomsandmonster.com. Phantoms and monsters. Oh, there we go. This is from September 21st, 2020. The Davenport Demon. So Davenport, Iowa. We talked about that place a ton of times. That's where you can find Dr. Slater Murphy. Unknown cryptid in the Mississippi River. A strange series of events in Davenport, Iowa, along the Mississippi River, where witnesses describe a tentacled entity emerging from the water. They dubbed it the Davenport Demon. Here's a strange account that was forwarded to me by a reader. I don't know who me is. It's not on this website. It was the year 1964 in Davenport, Iowa, a decent-sized city. It lay on the Mississippi River. I've only heard about the events involving this, quote, demon, end quote, from people in the area and from a few miscellaneous newspaper clippings that made their way to Nebraska. Don't know why they would make their way there as opposed to Chicago, but interesting nonetheless. During the summer of 1964, a couple were driving along the Mississippi River on South Concord Street at night around 2300 hours, 11 p.m., so middle of the night. Yeah, as they were driving, the woman, Miss Clarissa Bell, pointed out something weird in the river water. Almost immediately after, quote, something horrendous reared from the water and raced across the road, end quote, as put by Clarissa Bell. The couple barely had time to make out what it was. The man, Mr. Samson Brown, slammed on the brakes. They stopped and thought they had hit whatever it was. Clarissa Bell, terrified yet, stayed in the car as Samson Brown got out to check it out. Horror Movie 101, stay in the fucking vehicle. While the car had been splashed with river water, it was undamaged and they returned to town, only mentioning it as an oddity to their friends. It was in late winter of 1969 that the second reported sighting of the quote demon, end quote, was made. In this instance, the demon was seen by a married couple, Jolene and Hank Miles, and their friend, whose name 
has been forgotten to time. It was once again by the river, this time on River Drive on the way home from Credit Island Park. What, what were they doing at Credit Island? <laughs> Jolene. Jolene. The demon emerged from the river's icy surface in a sudden surprise lunge, landing on the roadway's southern lane right in front of the car. Jolene Miles had, when the couple reported it to the newspapers, described it as, quote, ugly and vile, almost like a disfigured raccoon, that'd be ugly, with the most godforsaken tentacles, end quote. Yeah. A tentacled raccoon-looking Not creature. Not testicles. No, those are tentacles. Those are okay. tentacles. Surprisingly, Hank Miles had left out the comparison to a raccoon and described it as almost catfish-like except with tentacles instead of fins. This description was the same as their friends, except in that simple comparison. Hmm. Was, this, it, was it like It? <laughs> no, I don't think it was Tim Curry dressed up like a clown. Well, It in the book can change its form to whatever it wants, and people can see it in different forms. Sure, yeah, because it's like an alien spider, right? Something. It's like the Mothman. It had tentacles. They were well, no intimate. bridges collapsed, collapsed around here in the 70s, so we're lucky. In the 1970s, reports grew of it until a climatic encounter in the fall of 1975. Unlike most of the reports, this one was not on a car, but rather at a private boat ramp in Davenport Harbor. Lee Anderson and his current mistress, <laughs> Brittany Cooper, were putting their boat into the harbor at night when the water began to have a strange light from it as if there were, quote, searchlights underneath the water's surface. Oh, that's like some cocoon shit. That'd be scary. <laughs> or uh, the abyss. Mm. With Ed O'Neill. No, Ed Harris. I always do that. They were intimately entangled when suddenly the boat tipped. They were fucking. <laughs> I think so. Sending them both into Thanks, the water. Thanks, <laughs> In case nobody knew what that intimately entangled meant. Barely escaping... Lee Anderson reported that his mistress had fallen in and drowned to the police. Kind of like wow. Kind of like Ted Kennedy. <laughs> yeah, this but is he suddenly got really dark. But Lee Anderson probably had a driver's license. Mm. I was just banging my mistress, <laughs> and then she drowned after yeah. some strange um, lights that this, I I could see the lights coming up to the boat, but I was just so intimately entangled. Yeah, that thing with the tentacles. That a, quote, thing with tentacles had attacked the two of them. The burn marks on his body were explained by the idea of something electrical being dropped into the water with them. When the body of his mistress was found, it was burned completely to an almost unrecognizable point except for the face. This oh, first... Okay, what? I've seen enough forensic files to know that he killed her, tried to burn the body, <laughs> yeah. it didn't work, he injured himself, and, they, I, and, and then he's like, I, I gotta get rid of this somehow, and the, then... The Davenport monsters. He yeah. fucked up and tipped the boat, so when the cops showed up, he was like, yeah, that tentacle thing down down there that they saw. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's where this probably went, you know. It seems likely to me. It looks like he tried to get rid of his mistress. So this was a 70s, so... 50 years ago, maybe. It's like a grandparent now. <laughs> or dead. Or dead. <laughs> yeah. We're, we, uh, we should go find this 
Investigation. Lee Anderson. Iowa, Iowa Talk, Talk Guys, guys investigates. investigates. Oh, it, got, it does go on further to say, to this day, it is unknown if the Davenport demon was real or if it was simply a scapegoat for accidents and murders that people tried to use. So. Well, yeah, it said... Uh, no shit. The first deadly encounter led to Lee being charged with manslaughter. Despite his reporting, it was an animal attack and the wounds being nearly impossible for the man to make without specific equipment. And Lee Anderson was sentenced to prison. He committed suicide a week after being let out on parole. Whoa. What is this, like, fucking Shawshank Redemption? Can't live in this world. <laughs> I can't be rehabilitated. Brooks was here. Demon. Uh, anyways, that was weird. I give this a well, bullshit meter. I like it, though. It's interesting. By the 80s, when the last major newspaper report on the Davenport Demon was made, which was another event like the first death from the demon, quote-unquote, it had become a local legend. To this day, it is unknown if the Davenport Demon was real or if it was simply a scapegoat for accidents and murders that people tried to use. While there are some people who claim to have seen it still, none of these stories have been put into the newspaper and have merely been mentioned by people who live in Davenport, and even then, mainly people who have been hunting it much like the more popular Bigfoot hunters. Who's hunting it? We gotta find these. <laughs> let's go down to Credit Island. Yeah, it's not too far from our location. It's within an hour. So, let's go find these. Uh, are you guys hunting for the Davenport demon? <laughs> you want to do an interview? If you're out, if you're listening to our show and you're hunting the Davenport demon, please get a hold of us. We want to interview you. For the record, the talk guys believe this story is bullshit, based on the lack of actual evidence and reports. But, it's all Hallow's Eve, so it was still fun. Now it gets really scary. Sorry, I, I, I have my stories mixed up. We have another one here from HistoricMysteries.com. Titled, yeah. Be Gone, Satan! The Exorcism of Anna Eklund by Kurt Redman, August 6th. 2021. How would you say that in her native tongue? Eklund? Eklund? I don't know. Eklund. This happened in Iowa, so. Yeah, you're right. So, did you guys mention this is one of the bases for... So, yeah, this was actually uh, one of the inspirations for the movie The Exorcism, the classic. Or The Exorcist? Or, I'm sorry, yes, The Exorcist. It's so inspiring. Mother isn't here with us, Harris. Would you like to leave a message? I'll be sure that she gets it. Part, yeah. Not based on, but inspiring. And I thought it was very interesting. I never heard it before. This is the story of a 20th century exorcism. One that was supposed to remain a secret, but which has inspired horror films ever since. But what was the truth behind it? Anna Eklund is today considered to be one of the most famous exorcisms in the United States. Perhaps most famously portrayed in the 2016 film, The Exorcism of Anna Eklund. Hmm, weird. However, there are varying accounts of the true story of the exorcism, and there is little certainty as to the truth behind the story. There has only been one book published about it, titled Begone Satan, written in the 1930s by Carl Vogel. It was only translated into English by Celestine Kapsner in 1973, and it was only with this translation that the story surrounding Anna Eklund received wide attention. So what is it about this story that has kept it alive for so long? So, to paraphrase here, 
Emma Schmidt is suspected uh, to be the real name of Anna. It was changed to protect the identity after the first exorcism. Little is known for certain, but it's thought that she was born in 1882 in Marathon, Wisconsin. Her mother died shortly after that when she was about eight and left her with an abusive alcoholic father. She was a devout Catholic and it was not to continue. Here's the article. At the age of 14, Anna reported that she was unable to enter a church without violent thoughts entering her mind. Ideas of smashing the holy water fonts, harming priests, and desecrating consecrated items, as well as being unable to receive communion, were all warning signs that something was not right. It got so bad that she began to feel unable to enter the church being held back by an interior hidden power. A local church got involved to help contact Father Theophilus Reisinger. Hey, Theo. Yeah. Uh, Theophilus. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Soon after arriving in the Midwest, he first encountered Anna Eklund. He performed his first exorcism on her soon after arriving in 1912, and it was deemed a success. Anna was able to return to her regular life, and Raisinger developed a reputation for dispelling the evils that infect human beings. He went on to perform a further 19 successful exorcisms. Anna's life, however, was only peaceful for a short while. The calm before the storm. After the first exorcism, Anna experienced a short amount of peace. Unfortunately, it did not last. Anna became convinced that her problems came from the torment that she had experienced from her abusive father and her aunt, Mina. 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 However, you want to say that. It was widely reported at the time of Anna's first exorcism that Mina was a witch who would put cursed herbs in Anna's food and placed curses on her. Wow. Despite both her father and Mina dying, Anna felt their spirits continued to usher a demonic presence into her body and mind. The second exorcism. Father Raisinger had been preaching in Erling, Iowa, when he was called upon to again remove Anna's demons. He sought the assistance and aid of an old friend named Reverend Joseph Steiger, asking him for permission to perform the exorcism in his parish. Erling had several advantages. There was a Catholic church and a convent where Eklund could stay during the exorcism. Also, Erling, although close to Des Moines, with a major railway to allow for travel, was a small town. This meant that the exorcism could be carried out in secret. Anna arrived in Erling on August 18, 1928. She later reported that on her arrival, she experienced a feeling of unprecedented rage. When she arrived at the convent, she wanted to attack the nuns and she could tell the food she had been given had been blessed. Anna refused all food and drink from the convent. Wow. Her odd behavior began to show in other ways, such as purring while she was waiting for Father Reisinger. Yeah, that's weird. Maybe she's a Furby. Those demons playing tricks. They're like, oh yeah, we're waiting for the game to begin. Reisinger's journey was not easy. He arrived at the train station and was met by Steiger, who was supposed to drive them to the convent. However, the car refused to accelerate to full speed. Steiger was a little shaken, but Reisinger remained unsurprised. It had been claimed that he said, quote, I was not wrought up about it at all. 
I would have been surprised if everything had gone smoothly. Difficulties will arise. They must be expected to arise. The devil will try his utmost to foil our plans. The Sessions Anna was tied to an iron bed and held down by the strongest nuns of the convent. This could go bad. As Reisinger began speaking the rites, Anna's eyes fell shut and she appeared as if sedated, but suddenly she was able to dislodge herself from the bed and threw herself high up against a wall. She began to scream when commanded by the priest to stop. She responded in various languages. A classic sign of exorcism. A a classic sign of demonic demonic possession. She spoke in English, German, and Latin, claiming to be multiple entities, including Beelzebub, Judas, as well as Anna's father and Aunt Mina. The exorcism lasted until December 23rd and took place over three different sessions. Anna experienced horrific symptoms, vomiting bile and tobacco-infused liquid. What? Yeah. Wasn't that other lady poisoning her? Well, her aunt was cursing the The food. Yeah. The herbs. Her body distorted through expansion and contraction, and she screamed at the people present, telling them information that she could not know in various voices. Another telltale sign of of demonic possession. Mm -hmm. Even Steiger grew increasingly worried at this and suggested the exorcism be moved. However, it was allowed to continue, and at 9 p.m. on December 23rd, Anna finally leaped up and claimed to have been freed from a terrible burden. Anna was able to go back to her life as a devout Catholic. She was finally free. Congratulations. Well, dude, I don't know. Have you ever looked down like demonic possession accounts and stuff, Iraq? No. Some pretty wild stuff, buddy. There was that one podcast that was on iHeart for a while and then just stopped out of nowhere. It was very interesting. No particular reason whatsoever. Yeah, pretty wild. So that's yeah, that sounds a lot like the uh, the movie, The Exorcism. There was stuff in there, but yeah, also classic tall tale signs. And some other accounts, there was uh, so like she wouldn't eat the blessed food. Yeah, there was other times where they would uh, sprinkle water on her and to test her. They'd be like, "This is holy water," and they'd sprinkle it on her. Nothing would happen, and then they would because it wasn't holy water. And then they would sprinkle the actual holy water on her. And she would like, like freak out. Her skin would begin to sizzle and boil on the spots where they threw the water on. Yeah, I did hear one of the ways to tell, according to Catholic priests that are exorcists, is take such a minuscule amount of holy water. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going somewhere else. Okay. That when they... <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine where you were going, Iraq. <laughs> that... Uh, we don't want to know. When they actually put such a slight drip on them it's like something that somebody can't feel oh, but yeah. obviously if it, it's blessed water and they're possessed it hurts physically hurts the, yeah apparently the entity causes a pain right yeah demonic possession and stuff is nothing we want to deal with no bueno no bueno but yeah so yeah that that was actually kind of a light one even though I don't know, there was some scary stuff in there yeah scary. but it's not as scary as World War Three. Yeah, and uh, I think that's probably going to be... Iraq was walking away. He said, 
We could be dead by then, which is true. Who knows? But, but uh, Lord willing, we're not. Yeah. So I would imagine that that will be taking a ton of our time as the situation develops over there in the Middle East. Yeah. So stay tuned. We just wanted to continue the uh, the special, the fun special that we did last year for All Hallows Eve. We're gonna have to do a one show sometime about the origin of Halloween. And yeah, yeah, we should we should do that. Yeah, but anyways, tomorrow is your Halloween day. Happy All Hallows Eve, I guess. Sure, they're all pagan holidays. Yeah, just be safe. Don't make sure you check your kids' candy for razor blades. Yeah. <laughs> remember that dumb shit <laughs> yeah when we were kids it was always the apples getting handed out and then you could take them and get them x-rayed or whatever yeah make sure there's no razor blades hitting them so kids cut their mouth also the the uh, heroin addicts remember they would inject our candy with with heroin so never we, heard that one. Oh, you didn't that yeah we get we can get addicted to drugs from our candy you remember that one or we can just get addicted to the candy from the massive amount of chemicals that are... Because uh, it is a drug. Yeah. yeah. Put in them today. Sugar does function like a drug as well in the human body. Mm. So, well... Thanks for coming back, E-Rock. Yeah. You showed up just in time to... I had to get the demons out. I got it. All right. If you like this episode, please like, follow, subscribe, and share. Share it with your friends, family, your friends of friends. Don't share it with mean Aunt Mina. Or your alcoholic abuse father. Right. He wouldn't like it. Follow us on Twitter or X, whatever you're calling it these days, at Iowa Talk Guys. Follow us on Instagram at Iowa Talk Guys underscore podcast. And slowly but surely, we're getting all the episodes uploaded on YouTube. Yeah. So it'll be interesting how long we last. Yeah. But at least on the YouTube. We will be working on Rumble as well. Yeah, so that should be better. So check us out on YouTube. E-Rock. At. At. Iowa Talk Guys. On YouTube. And yes. then what's our website? IowaTalkGuys.com. All right. Make sure you spell it right. Far out. Yeah, if you don't spell it right. Yeah, there's three vowels in Iowa. And always remember, don't eat the yellow cake. Don't eat the yellow snow. And don't let the demons take control. Don't let Aunt Mina curse the herbs. Yeah, don't hang out with witches that want to curse you. That's not cool. Mm. Don't go down to Credit Island looking for <laughs> demons. Demon, the Davenport demon. Iowa talk, guys. Out. Hi. Good night, everybody. Thank you very much. Very nice. Appreciate it.